Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Romance at a Glance. I'm your host, Bridget. With me, as always, is my co-host, Shani. Hey, Shani. Hey, Bridget. Are you ready to get into part two of this interview with Christina Lauren, better known as Christina and Lauren? Yes, Bridget, because we're about to get into the sexy bits now. I'm very excited for this. If you did not catch last week's interview, part one, make sure you hop back in the queue and check that one out first, and then come back and listen to part two. Let's get it poppin'. Romance at a glance. Uh huh. Romance at a glance. What you saying? Romance at a glance. Go ahead, girl. So I actually have a question because we have a debate um, on the pod- on the podcast about this, which is the cover for the Unhoneymooners um, is different than like you know a beautiful bastard that has like you know a guy on the front with the fixing his cuff. By the way, love that. Um, <laughs> it just looks like he's about to do something to you. He's, oh, I'm going to take you off. <laughs> Come in. <laughs> Give me a second. Give me a second. Like, that, that image is just like the, the climax before, before the uh. But, um, but we've noticed that a lot of more covers are going more to not having a person on the front, not having a chest on the front, not having rippling things on the, on the cover. So I'm curious as to why uh, the choice of cover. For the unhoneymooners. Um, so I, I love the cover. I think um, our covers in general have moved. I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but I'm trying to say the best way is a little bit more mainstream where we might ap- attract a person who does not see themselves as a romance reader because we want our books to be read by readers all over. And then we can be like, see, you do like romance, right? Um, and so I think we want to appeal to people who might be more likely to pick up a women's fiction or even just like a literary fiction book to try and bring them more into the romance world because romance is hella fun. Like it's the best genre there is. Um, you know, when we first got the cover for Beautiful Bastard, it was the first cover we'd ever seen. We got it sent to us from our editor at the time, Adam Wilson, who, um, we worked with on like 17 books and, um, it was awful. The first cover was this like smooth chested guy. You couldn't see his face. Um, shirt, like shirt was open. It was this like cornflower blue background. Um, and it had like, it was like Helvetica font. It was like beautiful bastard. Like it was so bad. I, we could have made a better cover on our computer. And we said like, we don't like this. We were both like almost in tears. And our agent said, you need to tell us specifically what you don't like so I can take it back to them because this is a very standard romance cover. And so we were like, we don't want a standard romance cover. We want a brand. We want something that when you see it, you say, this is a Christina Lauren book. And so for the beautiful series through the wild season series, that is really the look that we had. And I think once we started writing standalones and we wanted to expand just beyond the romance, specifically the erotic romance readership, we wanted to make sure that our covers felt more accessible to readers that were wanting to dip a toe into romance, but wouldn't have picked up Beautiful Bastard, right? Um, And so I think like On Honeymooners just feels like a vacation book. It's bright, it's colorful, it's fun. Um, I love it, but yeah, it doesn't look like a standard romance cover, but I think when you look at it and the title tells you that it, it, it is. Are you guys ever going to do another series? Cause you obviously did the first two series and then your last 10 or eight to 10 books have been standalone. I mean, a lot of that is, um, is a practical 
decision on our part. We love writing the series and we like writing the, we love writing the companion books because they all can kind of stand alone. The issue is readers think they want series, but then for every author, whether you are us or E.L. James or, you know, any author out there, like you're, sales drop off with each book in a series. You will lose readers over time. Interesting. So okay. your first book always sells better than subsequent novels. And I think we yeah. just felt like if it keeps people from trusting us to stay consistent throughout the whole series, then why don't we just show them that each time we will put our best into this story and not feel like we're just like dragging out um, whatever. Uh-huh. Even though we never were. That was never our, right. our method. Yeah, I don't feel like your series are long enough where I'm like, we're on book 12 and I'm like, okay, this is like exactly the same <laughs> plot again, you know? Uh, one thing I, like the, uh, I was just going to say, one thing I wonder about is, do you guys, like you publish so many books, do you ever get fatigue, not from the writing process necessarily, but from the promotions aspect? Because you're on a publicity tour what, two or three times a year for different books? Um, I don't think so. we get fatigued. I think the thing that starts to get hard is feeling like you're not done promoting one book and it's already time to start talking about the next one. Right. And so... So like, I mean, we used to have, I mean, I don't even, it just feels like, like those for example, first- like think about Josh and Hazel and Half Night Stand. Josh and Hazel was September, what, 13th or something, September. And then Half Night Stand was early December. So it was like, we had no time between those two. And Josh mm-hmm. and Hazel is such a great book and we were not ready to be done talking about it yet. But then Half Night Stand is this like totally great book too. And we wanted to talk. So it's, we just had to spread it out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So have you, so have yeah, you- so now we have like two books a year. Um, I don't know if we'll keep doing two or if they'll even slow us down. I mean, but the thing is, is like, what, you know, publishing is like, it's not just us writing the books. It's people editing the books and copy editing and doing the covers and doing the promotion and the marketing and all of these things. And so every book we write, we just put like another job on like that team. So, um, you know, I don't, I I, th- I think the plan is we're going to stretch them out a little bit more, but we're going to see. It's just, I mean, we look at us now. We had a book in March and we have another one coming out in October. Oh. So <laughs> it's already time to like change the Twitter headers to the next yeah. one. And <laughs> we, we recorded this uh, and then we were like, oh man, maybe we should have waited for the honey list because we, we were <laughs> like, by the time this is out, that book already will have come out. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, the thing, the nice thing about books, though, is that they're always there. So once it's out, yeah. you can yeah. you can talk about it anytime. It's hard for us to talk about in a holidays now because no one's read it yet. But you know, if you want to talk about Beautiful Bastard, we can talk about Beautiful Bastard. Like we'll go back and forth. Yeah. You, you know. Um, also, the the brand when you were talking about your brand earlier, I just wanted to say this that the Beautiful Bastard covers. So I've read thousands of romance novels at this point. They all go through almost like potato chips to me. It's like, mm. oh, snack, 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 and I move on. And the one thing that uh, my brain remembers is is the artwork for the book. So, like, for me, the beautiful bastard artwork is one of the ones I can pick out immediately. Like, awesome. I might not, and I might not know what author did a thing, but it'll be like, oh, this artwork, this brand. I'll be like, oh, okay, I know that author. Here's all the, here's Ooh, all the things. Yeah. And so, right. So I, I think I, too. Go ahead. 
when you look at our books, I feel like the covers are just like an evolution of like, you know, sweet, filthy boy doesn't look like beautiful bastard. Just like, it doesn't look like, you know, my favorite half night stand. But I think when you see them all lined up, I think it's Mm -hmm. clear that it's just like an evolving brand, but also like, you know, since you've seen so many like covers that like one cover is kind of popular then pretty soon every cover looks like that. And so mm-hmm. then every cover, you know, right now it's like the, um, illustration illustrated. Yeah. Yeah. Covers. And so, yeah. Yeah. Yep. We try not to have like cartoony characters on our books because sometimes I think like, you don't know how dirty a book is. <laughs> When you pick it up, I know what I mean. Oh my God. We just said that the other day. I was like, this book I thought was going to be, oh, it was the kiss quotient. Uh I was like, I thought this was going to be full rom-com. Yeah. And that book is. It's it's dirty. Sexy. Yeah. Sexy. It's dirty. I was very pleased. But I was like, I could totally imagine someone buying this and being like, wait a minute. Right. Right. I don't know. My husband picked one up and I don't, I don't remember what it was. And it had a cartoon character like that it illustrated. And he was like, so are the cartoon characters banging? Like what's <laughs> happening here? And I'm just like, just give that to me. Just go. <laughs> you know what? I wish more men and boys would read romance novels though, because I feel like a general theme through all of them is like, you want someone to want you whoever the you of the you is and whoever that person is, you want to know they want you. You want to feel that they want you. You want to feel that desire and that attention. And you want to like, know that it's there. You don't want to be like one. You don't like, that's where all the miscommunication happens. Like, I don't know if they like me. I don't know if I Mm -hmm. like at the end of the day, those books are all about someone who a hundred percent is all about that. And I wish that more, it was like more socially acceptable for uh, boys and men to read them. Cause I'm like, you could learn uh-huh. a thing or like, maybe your wife is upset. She doesn't know that you have sex with her. Yeah. I want to have sex with her, but she doesn't know that you should make that fucking apparent. And she's probably going to be like, <laughs> okay, great. Let's do that. Um, but you know, yeah. like in other countries, it's much more acceptable. Like in Brazil, um, when we were doing signings, th- there's so many more. And I will say we have way more men in signing lines now than we used to. We used to, if they would come up, we would be like, is this for you? You know, cause it's for their wives. We don't do that anymore because more often it is. But in Brazil, I think I would say like 30% of our line was men, mm-hmm. boys, men, you know, yeah. um, it, it's just here. It's not kind of like as widely done. Well, yeah. So I hear you saying I need to go to Brazil. That's what I'm Yes. Everybody, Everybody should go to Brazil. Everybody should go to Brazil. Yeah. <laughs> Brazil. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So Bridget and I are actually, um, we come from like a visual background and that sort of thing. And so um, we are interested to know more about um, adapting your work for TV and film, um, how, how you feel about that, what you're working on in terms of that, and also what's accessible to you guys? Um, so we have optioned a number of our books either through shopping agreements where we're working with producers to write the script ourselves or they're taking it out and pitching the projects or um, we have optioned it so that you know um, a production company owns the rights and we're working on the pilot and pitching it. We've done kind of all varieties of that stuff and obviously nothing's happening right now because nobody's doing anything during the pandemic. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I think, you know, it's 
it's one of those things getting books adapted where sometimes it happens super fast and sometimes it takes years. Like, you know, last night my husband and I watched the premiere of the HBO show. I know this much is true, which is a 1998 Wally Lamb book that I was totally obsessed with. Um, and I, when I found out that it was being made into a TV show with Mark Ruffalo, I was like, I am so in, like, I feel like I've been waiting to hear this news for 20 years. Cause I have, but mm-hmm. so sometimes things just take a little while, but I will say, I think, um, you know, we have the roomies film that we wrote the script for and that the producer and director, um, team there, they're just super enthusiastic. And I think you guys know, cause you're in the town, like you just need to have a really passionate team. And that makes it most likely that something will happen. Like, obviously you need somebody to give money, but like having people who really believe in the project, I think is the most important piece. And so I think for each of the projects that we're working on, we have that. So I'm hoping that some of them move forward. Or are some of them being written by other people? Um, So we have written this screenplay for roomies. We've written a beautiful bastard well, it's more like a beautiful series pilot. Um, and then we've written one other screenplay that we haven't really talked about yet. That's an adaptation. And then there's a couple projects that have been pitched and or adapted by other people. So, Gotcha. Cool. I would really like a bastard uh, TV series. I think that yeah. CW, like, I would watch, I would watch that. Yeah. I think there's a way to do it for a more um, mainstream TV audience. Like it, it doesn't, it can be fun and funny and it doesn't have to be over the top sexy. It certainly could be the way that we had pitched it before was a much more like sexy show, almost like heat level of like the affair with the humor and lightheartedness of sex in the city. Um, and I don't know if that kind of fun soapiness is what um, people are looking for right now, but we'll see. I mean, I think there's just a million ways to do it. One that you should watch that Christina and I just started, it's called um, what's the matter with, uh, secretary kim or what's with secretary kim and it's basic it's a k-drama and it's on hulu and it has like total bb vibes so it's really fun Mm -hmm. yeah and that opening scene where he's like getting ready and stuff i was like what am i watching you know know. he's so arrogant he's so arrogant and just like such a jerk and the pilot that we wrote for the beautiful series was essentially we were like condensing the world and so you had like Bennett and Max and Will all at the same table. And like you said, yeah, CW, it would be great. And you can still be super sexy and not see actual, you know, thrusting or whatever. So I think it's just, I think it's just a matter of like finding people who know what it is, know what women want to see, you know, and then deciding, I don't know how much pain to show or. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, what's funny like I, I we and I work in the industry so we read a lot of entertainment news and I just think it's hilarious that when every single time a sexy story or a romance novel whether it's adapted or not comes out um they're like and wow it did so great and I'm like what don't you understand about the fact that it's a billion dollar industry like we want to see yeah. all this. Like we want to see their faces so close and hear the music swell. Like we're here mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. Thank you for it. Um, do you guys feel like, so most of the time in, in filmmaking, you kind of find the movie in the editing process. So you, you know, the script, you know what you're shooting, 
but you really put together all the pieces and sort of rearrange the order and find that music and adding all the stuff. Do you, have you guys found in any of your books that whatever your first draft was ended up being the book that you made? Like you wrote a draft and then through editing, it became a completely different book. I mean, literally none yes. of our books are what the first draft was. <laughs> we have Magic many, happens in the editing. Yeah, it really a, does. Revisions. It's the one that we're turning in this week. It's the best first draft we've ever written. And still, we know it's going to change a ton. So. Yeah, we were just saying that. We were. I was like finishing up reading it. And, and Lo was like, I love this book so much. And I said, and this is just the first draft, like it's going to look so different Mm -hmm. once, you know, our editor, we're really lucky that we've had really good editors, people who know, like, do not tell us this book is perfect. We know it's not perfect. We know it's not that good. And we're really lucky. Like, we're like, give it to us. Tell us what's wrong. Let us, you know, so revisions used to scare the shit out of me. And I would just be like, I, I would just panic. And now low knows my process is like overwhelmed. I have to Needs step away from it for a day yeah. and then I can come back to it and tear it apart. But in that first initial thing, it's a mess. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that speaks well as uh, in terms of how I can imagine that you've written so many books, because I think if you were defending your original vision, vision constantly no. Yeah, no. able to write so many books. Um, I think it's kind of amazing. Cause I mean, I, I am, I, or at least I've been told by former collaborators that I'm pretty easygoing about it. I'm like, cool, your idea is better. Let's use your idea. Let's move on. And yeah. uh, I, I have worked though with so many people who are not like that. And I'm like, we got to move yeah. on. You got to just, we gotta, we, like, we, I'm sorry. Yeah. We got to just move and change. Like, and it, it's, it's a hard thing. So it's, it's pretty cool that you guys can do that. I, um, I have like a similar experience with, with songwriting. Um, whenever I've worked with a lot of songwriters at this point, and the rule is best idea wins. Mm-hmm. Whatever works best for the yes. song wins. No ego, just let it go. Yeah. And I had the first time I ever worked with a songwriter that was like, disastrous for me it, like just didn't work I'm the most easygoing person I like on the planet everyone's my friend <laughs> okay and I I was, I was uh, we were listening to a track and I'm writing you know what I and he and he was like oh, what are you writing what do you what, what are you putting there I was like well I'm still thinking about it give me you know give me a few minutes and I think like two minutes went by and he's like well just tell, show me what you got what's what do you and I'm like no, if you do not Back up off me right now in my creative process. And by the end of that day, I wrote the worst song that I ever heard in life. And I had to like let him know that I did not like that song and we would not be making that song. Like, and that's the first and only time that ever happened. I was like, like, why is this happening like this? So I I think it's awesome that you guys have that thing where it's like best idea wins and like Mm -hmm. let's just make the you know, everybody's in it to make a really amazing project. So we Yeah, I mean there's no like Lauren, right? Yeah. It's, like yeah. people aren't here just for Lauren. They're here for Christina Lauren. So it's nice that we don't have individual egos, right? It's like a shared ego. We want the book to be the better book, it, you know, than it is at any given stage. We always want to make it better. And, you know, I think the, the good thing is that we don't usually get to a place where um, 
we're like have such different ideas about what the book should be that we can't find like a middle ground. So Mm-hmm. Did you guys? People always ask if we fight, and and they always just imagine us just like fighting over the books, and we're just like, no, like it's always what's best. It's like our kids. It's like what's best for the kids. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? We never fight about book stuff ever, ever. Do you feel like it actually takes a little bit out of it that you have like this other name? Like it's not like my name and your name on the cover of a book. Oh no, yeah. but it, Christina Lauren is writing. So oh, yeah, totally. This is the way she, you know, almost like she's like it, her own creation and her yes. own voice. Yep. And it makes it easier when we get negative reviews too. Cause it's like, Oh, I can't mm-hmm. stand Christina Lauren books. And it's like, Oh, all right. Like if they said like, <laughs> yeah. you know, Lauren is a terrible writer. I would be like, Oh, but like, if they're like, yeah, Christina Lawrence is not my thing. I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, I won't yeah, tell her that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's good too because then it's it's even like even like praise. That's not you. You know what I mean? Ooh. So it's just it's easy. It's like you just blame everything on Christina Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, about just a, a random fact: the other day we we are in we just started our season three, so and we haven't been doing this crazy a long time. But we got our first negative review. Uh, the other day oh. on, uh, on YouTube from an author, from an author whose book we, oh. we that oh we reviewed that we didn't, we didn't like. And she wrote something about like, she never comments, but she was going to comment today. And I was like, no, no, I wrote back the nicest, sweetest comment uh, back. Um, but, but I was just so excited. I called Bridget and I was like, oh my God, Bridget, we've arrived. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> we got the baby. <laughs> I thought we arrived with like the first positive reviews, but she was like, it's a negative review. We did it. <laughs> we did it. We're here. Uh, oh my God. I well, also we could never the- have done this if it wasn't for fanfic because fanfic people do not mince words. They're like, Oh my God. They're brutal. This was, this was freaking awful. I remember something like somebody, they were, I can't even remember what it was, but I mean, you just, yeah, it, you, you get a thick skin and you learn how to like take the, the compliments you want to keep and get rid of the ones that you don't. And I couldn't imagine doing this too. I remember we had, um, there was a negative review we got last fall that I felt like just stuck with me. And it wasn't even because I agreed with it. It was just because what they said was like my biggest fear. So it's good. Like I keep it in my head. Like I have to make sure to not do this thing. I don't think we did it, but I never want to be that person. So, yeah. Um, Let's change topics because we have talked to a bunch of authors now, and I know that you guys both used to have different careers that were not full-time writing careers, and then you uh, eventually left and did this full-time. How did that, like, come about? How did that conversation happen? Like, at what point did you feel like, okay, we've started sort of earning enough money that we feel comfortable sort of taking the leap? Um, cause a bunch of authors we've talked to have said, oh, well, I can't afford to write full time. Uh, and we've also noticed that, that they also like, don't do a lot of social media and they don't have a lot of merch. And I'm like, make some money kids. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd love to like, know And also to maybe help some other writers know, like how, how did that all sort of start to shake out? Well, we hadn't left our jobs until we had six books out and we had six books out in one year and we were working full time and I had a three and a five-year-old and she had a nine-year-old and it was just not sustainable for us. And we were offered 
um, a four book contract. It was 2014 money, which was stupid romance money. And I think we just felt like we were at a place where we could make that transition. Um, like any industry, romance has hills and valleys. You know, there are times <laughs> where sales are really high and there's sometimes where sales are low. And I think Christina and I are lucky that we established a name for ourselves at a time where a lot of people were reading romance. Um, so it was a big call though. Like I, it wasn't easy to leave our jobs. I was doing research and Christina worked at a junior high counseling office and we both really loved what we did. So I think we just realized like we have turned our hobby and our passion into a career. And if we are being given the opportunity to do that full time, like we would be foolish to not try and do it. Mm-hmm. So it was a leap and we both knew we could go back to our previous careers if we had to. So but yeah, it's a ton of work. I mean, especially like the social media people. Everybody. Just like, don't, yeah. And don't like sell a book and then, you know, quit your job. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Do you guys like work on sort of other streams of income aside from the books? Like, do you do your own merch or does that go through the publisher or... or? We just write books. I mean, we do have the piece with the adaptations, but I think, you know, until something actually gets made, that's not going to be a huge yeah. source of income, yeah. but you know, our priority is books. Yeah. So we thought one of the things that we, um, because we definitely, uh, come from, um, a generation of diversifying your income. So that's what we are literally talking about all the time, Bridget and I, like, yeah. <laughs> what can, what can we make money on? How can we do this? Yeah. How, you know, how do we do this? How do we make this sustainable? Um, how do we make passive income? How is, you know, that sort of thing. Um, uh-huh. and, um, yeah. And so one of the things that we were surprised that authors were not utilizing was Patreon. Mm-hmm. Um, because then your fans, your fans can directly support oh, yeah. what you're doing. Um, and that sort of thing. And so my question to you would be, um, have you thought about it? And if so, what might've kept you from not doing that? So I think in the case of authors, at least for us, I can't imagine we would do Patreon just because the way that readers can support us is by buying our books, right. And giving our books to friends as gifts and all that, um, make enough money on our advances and our sales to support ourselves and our families. And so what we really want our readers to do is just continue to buy our books if they love them. Um, I think for things like we have, I have some artist friends who are on Patreon. There's some websites that I really love. There's podcasts that I really love that I support through Patreon. And those I think are totally valuable because yes, some of you guys will be making ad money, but a lot of times it's not enough yet in early days. And even for some that have been doing it for a long time, it's not enough to sustain how much time it takes out of your schedule to do that project that people are getting something from. Right. And so it's like a way to Mm -hmm. give back because we can listen to your podcast for free. Um, And so I think it's a little different in that way. Gotcha. For authors. Yeah. Yeah. I also think like time-wise, most of our, most of our time is already allotted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. You guys write a lot. You guys write a lot. Yeah, we were trying I mean, to. Figure I would feel out. like we would we would need to like. Yeah, like I don't I don't know what we would even do for a Patreon. 
<laughs> it is more content. You have to like just make more content. So it's like I get I totally get your yes. point that you're already someone's already buying your book versus like something like this where you're consuming it for free is is definitely a different value proposition. Yeah. Um when yeah. you guys were transitioning and you started, I mean you were always already writing years of fan fiction, but I assume that your you know families and uh, parents and siblings and husbands and and friends maybe weren't consuming your fan fiction. Uh, how was it when you started transitioning and now these books were out in sort of the windows of bookstores they walked by? Were they, I mean, like, were your families really excited about it? Were they kind of like, why did you choose romance versus a different genre? Like, what was that reaction? I think we get all of it. I mean, I think we have, like, of course, our husbands and our families are primarily just super supportive and excited for us and always have been. But I know we both had people in our life who were a little bit like, romance, huh? I mean, mostly it's the, like, nudge, nudge, wink, wink of, like, <laughs> oh, you really like sex, you know? And I think that that's, that's the piece that always kind of rankles me because it's sort of like, A, yes, and B, yeah. not your business, and C, like, it doesn't have to be about that. Um, and so I think, you know, like there, I remember very early on, I was at a soccer game with my son, my son's soccer game. And my husband was with me and another mom brought her mother over to meet me to just as like parents. And she's like, oh, and Lauren's a writer. And she's like, well, what do you write? And, and, um, I said, oh, well, we write romance. She's like, oh, are they trashy? I just love trashy books. And it was like such a weird combination (laughs) because she's admitting that she likes romance but she's still like denigrating it you know and it was like do we have to do that in the same breath yeah like just admit that you like it it's okay to like it it's a guilty pleasure yeah i'm not guilty i'm not guilty about it it's just no cold pleasure no nope so there's a lot of that and also just you know early on in interviews we got asked a lot like is bennett a fantasy like do you have a fantasy of this kind of thing and it's like do you ask Stephen King if he has fantasies about blowing things up and like murdering people with cars? And like, do you, you know, you don't ask that of the same, of male authors in genre. Yeah. It's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But, but also like, I mean, I wouldn't mind Bennett. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I'm, not saying, I'm not saying I'd mind. I, I do think it's a little... Um, it's very interesting, especially because that that idea of like, oh, you just like sex is so silly because I do like sex. Don't you like sex? Sex is great. Thinking about it, thinking about uh-huh. romance, thinking about kissing, actually kissing, like all those things are wonderful. Like, why wouldn't I want that? So I always think that's a yeah. really interesting. Yes. And weird thing that people right. find. And also I want to be like, do you watch porn? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just because I, you know what I mean? Because like that's sex. Like I don't know. I think it's very. Yep. I just think if more guys listened to romance novels or read romance novels, they would learn how to really talk dirty to a girl. I yeah. mean, guys, a lot of guys don't know how to talk dirty, and girls were auditory. We we take in so much information through our ears versus mm-hmm. them. They take in so much visually. Like our yep. imaginations as a as a woman, like I can create so much, so much amazingness here. You know, yeah, and and I've just like in the last year, I've just discovered just the power, the amazing power of dirty talk, just the amazing, <laughs> yeah. 
amazing power. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It is about like men pick these up. We're, we're putting all our secrets in these books. Like this. Not, I know. You know, right. This is how all we think right here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't this is what I want you to say. Yeah, you know? don't reinvent any wheels. Look at me. Look at me. Just, yeah. just open this manual. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so is this, so this, are you, uh, is this your dream job? Are you guys doing your dream job? Are you like loving every bit yeah. of, of this? Yeah. Yeah. This is like, We're so lucky. Yeah. It's perfect. I feel- I, feel I don't the same think way. it's luck. I feel like it's hard work. You guys like, it I mean, hard work, but we're lucky. like, you're lucky in the sense that you like found, found each, each other. other and found mm-hmm. an age stuff, but like, it's not luck to publish 25 books. Like that's a lot of work. writing. That's a lot of work. <laughs> that's a lot of good ideas. That's a lot of dedication. Um, especially in the timeline that you guys have written, like, that isn't luck to write that many books in that few years. That's no, I agree. I mean, I think if we're like you said, we're lucky we found each other. We're lucky that we were writing at a time where romance had this huge renaissance, um, and we work our asses off. We're good at our jobs, but I and I don't, you know, I'm gonna we're gonna own that always. But I do think like the timing, there was a lot of serendipity in how it got started, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, have a co- I have a couple random random questions for y'all. Okay, one. <laughs> One, what's your zodiac signs, both of you? I just want to know. I just want to know. She's a Pisces. I'm a Virgo. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're, okay. Such, we're such Pisces and Virgos. Yeah. That, makes, that makes all the sense in the world. <laughs> yeah. Your listeners, if you could see my face, you would know that it is blank because I don't know what means, but they are all very excited about this revelation. <laughs> <laughs> well she's earth, she's water and she's earth and that's a that one that's just a great mix in general water and earth tend to be their opposite like balance or whatever virgos are very much like taking care of things by by the book organized like things to be a certain way and that sort of thing pisces are way more flowy they're way more mm-hmm. they way more move with their emotions and and that sort of thing and uh very creative people so it's just it's it just makes sense that this pairing would be a good pairing <laughs> Pisces can also hold a grudge like a boss and that they is can. me <laughs> they can. but we're also was, we're also ravenclaw and hufflepuff which also yeah. is like exactly yeah. yes too interesting yeah that <laughs> i was like, oh, yeah, like that, okay then. i understand I, that more I understand that one. I got that one. That one I picked up. I was like, okay, I see it. Uh, and then um, I, I always want to know, because um, I grew up with a um, family that had fans, right? And so what is your craziest fan experience that you guys, like, that happened to you guys anywhere in the world? Doesn't matter. I mean, readers generally uh, aren't so crazy. I, I honestly, like, most of our readers, like, we people don't do crazy stuff. I think the wildest thing for us was when we went to Brazil in 2014 because we were selling, you know, we were New York times bestsellers here. All of our books had hit the list. Whenever we had signings, we had good crowds. And then we went to the festival of books in Brazil in Sao Paulo and people had waited for 13 hours in line. And it was like, they had like, to walk us through this convention center with like four security guards. And we walked out onto this stage and they had us in this back signing room and we walked out and it was like, 
as far as you could see people screaming. And it was like, what? Like they just love their authors there so much. And, you know, I don't think it was just Christina Lauren, like people who come to visit, they show up for them because they want people to come down. But that was just the wildest Uh thing and showing us their tattoos and almost all of them had had t-shirts made and, you know, we had guys in line that had like tattoos from beautiful bastard on their ribs. And we were just like, what is happening? It was just like, <laughs> Oh, wow. We're just wild. moms. <laughs> we're moms. Like we were just like, all right. Martine, <laughs> <laughs> like, you'd only published a year ago. So you were still very new to the whole, yeah. like uh-huh. publicity scene and publishing scene. Wow. That would yeah. be wild. Yes. I feel like I'd be looking around like, is an Avenger coming out? Like, what I know. We were 100%. We were like, who's here? <laughs> and they put us in this room. Like, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, they put us in this room and they would like, they would say, you know, each person only gets like, you know, 30 seconds or, you know, something because we have to be able to get through everybody. And Lo and I are never like that. We would, we, our biggest problem, I think, is that we probably talk to people too much who like come I mean, up to our table. And so we were just, you know, it was just like this rush in and out, in and out. And that's just not something, you know, that we'd ever experienced before. So I, uh, I don't know that in the future, Shawnee and I will be able to do something where we can just say like, thank you for coming. I feel like I'll be like, so what's, tell me your story. Did you like the book? Yeah. What was your favorite? And then all the other people fly and I'll be like, what about us? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's definitely, um, do you guys have um, any authors that you want to recommend authors that maybe people don't really know about or new upcoming authors that are just like tickling your fancy or tickling whatever you want tickle? So I just finished To Have an Hoax by Martha Waters, and it was adorable. It's so cute. It's super cute. I really liked it. It's historical. It's darling. It's sexy. Um, I really liked it a lot. Um, so I'm reading that. I'm having a hard time reading right now. Actually, I'm finding it easier to go back and reread old favorites. So mm-hmm. I've been doing mostly that. Yeah. That's like comfort food. Me um, too. Mm-hmm. I, so I'm uh, right now reading a book called... Um, the bee democracy. So nobody really wants to read that, <laughs> but I'm about ready to start heart and soul by Jen Fredericks. Um, and it's a, it's a romance novel about like a Korean adoptee who has to go back to Seoul and um, meets her birth family. And um, I'm super excited to start that. I love the cover of that. I love the title. I'm so excited to read that one. Yeah, it's own voices because she's a Korean adoptee. Um, and it was supposed to come out in a month, but because of everything that's going on, they moved it to next year. Um, so I'm getting ready to start that. Yeah. Oh, and I just got uh, Daring in the Duke by Sarah McLean, which is out in July. Ooh. Oh, and a book that you guys have to read. It's out, I think, July 7th. And it's called Boyfriend Material. And it's by Alexis Hall. So good. Okay. It is so good. And he also, he has another book that, well, he has a bunch of books. He's got a lot of books and I love them. But my other, the first one I ever read from him was called For Real. Okay. And it's, um, yeah, it's really great. So Alexis Hall, you definitely have to read those. Boyfriend Material is out in July. Okay. Well, definitely and it's a male male. Yeah. And, it's, uh, and he's British and it's very voicey and snarky and funny. And it's just like amazing. 
it's probably, it's still going to be my favorite. Like December 31st, I'm going to say it was still my favorite book of the year. (laughs) And she read this, I think in like January. I did. Yeah. Yeah. We tried really hard this season because contemporary has like the benefit of having a lot of different types of authors, a lot of different types of couplings in the book. We tried really hard this season. We only are doing 10 books, so can't fit everything, but tried very hard, a very wide variety of authors of color, characters of color, male, male pairings, menage pairings. uh, And, you know, obviously we've read a couple of your books now, like how do you guys balance, um, choosing a character's identity and color and sexual orientation as you're writing and making sure that you're not just choosing it to be kind of like a token thing, but, but sort of setting it in that realistic experience. Um, well, we, so we got, um, a reader said to us at one point, um, that our books were too white, that, you know, we, we wrote the beautiful series that takes place in like Chicago and New York and stuff. And we, and that was something we like really sat there and we were like, you know what, you are 100% correct. Like Lowe lives in California. We want our books to look like the world that we live in. We want our readers to look at those books books and see themselves in it. But we also, we also see that we want to like, we would never want to take the place of an author of color, a person of color on the, we'd never want to take their place on the shelf. There are some stories that are just not ours to tell. Um, So we, for us, it always just has to be like who the character is. Um, It, it really has to like what you say, Lo, it really has to be like when we first start thinking about the character, that's who they are. Like when we were writing um, Josh and Hazel, Josh was just always Korean. Like from the first time that we first started talking about him, he was yeah. Korean. Yeah. And, and, but, but, you know, no, that book's not like an identity book or something. So right. um, it's just really important that our readers get to see themselves in the pages of our books. Yeah. yeah. And, and there have been a couple of times where we, you know, we initially started thinking about a character and we had a a certain cultural background in mind and we did a bunch of research and we had, you know, sensitivity readers. Like we always have at least probably between five and 10. Um, And Mm -hmm. we got to a place where the readers didn't agree. One group of the readers thought we had put too much of the culture and it started to feel like we shouldn't be telling the story. And Mm -hmm. the other group of the readers didn't think that we had put enough in. And we realized that that was a message to us that we could not tell this story that the readers themselves Mm -hmm. wanted to see more or see less of their culture, but in either case, they weren't totally comfortable. And so we just scrapped it. So it's, I mean, I think we don't ever want to be disrespectful. We want to represent the world. And we also recognize that we are in a place of total privilege. We are white women. We have like a whole publishing house behind us. And so we just have to try and always like walk Mm -hmm. that line between representing the world and but not speaking for anybody. I think that's yeah. a- And that's why own voices are so important is yeah. because they, like we couldn't tell that story because it wasn't ours to tell. And that's why, you know, we try and amplify those voices. Yeah. I think amplifying other voices is a, is a really um, a great thing. And, right. um, and I, the, you know, we've seen some romance scandals that happen, I guess, in this last, <laughs> this last two years. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think it's like a combination as me, I'm brown. I don't know if you noticed, but, um, you know, growing up, <laughs> <laughs> my, my first, my first romance novel was a Danielle Still novel that oh, yes. was in high, 
It was in my middle school library. I don't know why it was there. It should not have been there. You know? um, but I used to hide from bullies in the library. And so I would just read and read and read in the corner. And I found this book one day and that was the first day I felt like, the, you know, the twinges. And I was like, oh, my God, what is this? You know, mm-hmm. um, but, I, you know, that was a white. It was a white. Everybody in this story was white. And for so mm-hmm. long reading, you know, like my sister would read us Pride and Prejudice and those types of books. And um, every, I, I love historicals and historicals are always white. Like they're like 99.9% white. And you might, I read one historical one time where it was about a mixed girl whose dad had gone to Jamaica and had a baby and brought the baby back to, to England um, or whatever. Um, And I tell Bridget all the time, I was like, I, I don't care if there's a historical accuracy in, in having a Brown person. I was like, I'm like, think about much ado about nothing with Denzel and and Keanu being brothers. I was like, that's all I care about. I don't, I don't care. I don't care if it's accurate. I don't care if we're being true to whatever, like, you know, that sort of thing. And sometimes I, I get a little bit upset about fantasy because fantasy, I mean, we're fairies and weird goblins. Come on. Like that. It's a perfect, it's a perfect place for mm-hmm. to the, the, all, all the diversity you want, all, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, and, and still it's harder to see it happen there. Um, or it's hard to see it happen where the, the, the trolls or things like that are always represented as the Brown people, the equivalency Mm -hmm. in in real life. And it's, and it gets frustrating. So I find that it's very, um, I, I like it. I like when white authors, uh, try, I like when they attempt, even when they suck at it, I'm like, you know what? They walked out on a limb because they can't, (laughs) I also know that like, on your end, you're like, well, if I just don't do it, nothing can happen. Then nothing bad can happen. Nobody will say that I, I messed up, you know? And the fact that you, mm-hmm. that you actually tried and did that, and that's putting yourself in an uncomfortable position. I respect that, you know, as a person, I, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, so it's just, it's just cool. And I, I like, I don't know. I like you guys a lot. Man. I'm a fan. We like you guys. <laughs> well, I love that. And I think, you know, there's, there are so many authors now who are out there writing amazing. I mean, there's always been authors of color out there writing amazing books, but finally I feel like there's some authors of color, especially in contemporary romance that are just getting their time. Rebecca Weatherspoon is amazing. Alyssa Cole is amazing. Alicia Rye, she's amazing. Like we have these authors writing, uh, Sonali Dev. I mean, she wrote the ball, you know, like she's writing stories about Indian American romances that are like relatable to everybody. And they're just- We're doing, we're doing her book, her book this season. We're really excited. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good, 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 good. Yeah. It's, she's great. And so I do feel like there are so many choices now. You know, I mean, there've always been choices, but I feel like you're starting to see them in the pages of Entertainment Weekly and they're being featured on the big sites and stuff. And it's like, finally, you know, they're getting options. Yep. It's great. Yeah. Well, Beverly Jenkins is back there. Like, (sighs) you know, Beverly. I've been here the whole time. She was the only one. She was like the only one for the longest time. But yeah. if anybody was like, oh, uh, do you know that brown author? I'd be like, Beverly, Beverly Jenkins. <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys, this has been like such a delight. It's been very fun. Thank you for having us. Oh, thank We're you. We're all so chatty. You guys are fun. <laughs> I, 
I mean, we appreciate your time. We appreciate you guys uh, letting us go well over the 30 minutes that we originally had allotted. Um, this is going to be a real treat. And and uh, we're just so excited. We loved reading your books. Obviously, we'll continue to be readers. And you know. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I love what you guys are doing. It's good. It's, it's always good to have smart and enthusiastic, you know, romance supporters out there talking about romance. Champions. Yeah, championing and yeah. Like choosing, like you said, you know, different kinds of stories. It's great. You know, I love it. Doing our best. Doing our best. Uh, well, thank you guys so much. And we'll give you back the rest of your day. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it was really fun. Go back to this log. Yeah. <laughs> also, when Making you come dinner to, again. <laughs> when you come to LA after Corona, you oh, must yeah. not buy. You yeah. must not buy Bridget's house because I don't have a house, but Bridget does. <laughs> okay. So or we'll or like, we'll come or we'll come to Irvine and uh, there we go. We can. No, nobody wants to come to Irvine. It's so boring. <laughs> we can. Meet, nobody we wants can, to come to Utah. <laughs> I love Utah. Utah is Utah's so, so pretty. It's I'm so, just saying. I'm inviting myself and um <laughs> Yeah. You know what? Everybody come. You know what I liked about Utah? Well, aside from like what? Salt Lake City and the mountains and like just how beautiful it is. In Salt Lake City, I have never been anywhere where there are nicer changing rooms in all the public bathrooms. I mean, it's like it is <laughs> so true. nice. I'm like, this is a place that values children and moms because there was a garbage can built into this beautiful platform with a lip so your kid doesn't fall off on the ground. I took pictures. I was like, everyone needs to see this. <laughs> we don't have, have that in LA. <laughs> because everybody has so many kids here. <laughs> they have to be nice. That's very true. Um, well, yeah, I mean, for sure, hopefully when your holidays books comes out, you'll be doing some West Coast uh who knows hopefully like like book <laughs> something or others finding yeah. talks something so hopefully if you, uh if you, we'll see. To, if you need to rest and shoot the shit where your gals you yeah. know where to find you exactly <laughs> all awesome. Right. awesome well stay safe you guys you guys, that's all we have with them. It was a goddamn delight. We had the best time. They were so fun and so funny. I mean, for our first author interview, I really don't think we could have had a bigger slam dunk. What about you, Johnny? Absolutely. I want to hang out with them. I want to invite them over. We can watch Korean dramas together. We can make snacks and braid each other's hair. But nobody should braid mine because it's fro and I like it this way. But we'll braid everybody else's hair. I was sad that it ended. And I hope that we actually get to like meet them in real life. Yes, when all this coronaing is over and the quarantining is over, we will be the first people in line at their next West Coast signing, that is for sure. Absolutely. So, enormous shout out to them. Enormous shout out to Kristen Dwyer, their publicist, for setting this all up and connecting them with us. And enormous shout out to all of you for listening and for following along. I hope that you guys had just as much fun listening as we did interviewing. We'll catch you next week. Until next time. May your books be your lover. And your hand your best friend. Ow, ow, ow.